Galatians chapter 1, Paul is writing, and here's what he says. Verse number 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me, listen to this, to the churches of Galatia. To the churches of Galatia. Paul is writing a letter, and he said, this letter is for the churches. Listen to that. The churches, plural. How many of you know that we come to what we call church? We say, I'm coming to church. But the truth is, you come to a building. Because the church is not a building, it is us. Can I get an amen from somebody? We are the church, right? You're not going to church, you're, you're bringing church to a building. And so we are all the church. Now, I still say that. I still use that phrase all the time. I'm going to church. I have a five-year-old son who just loves to go to church. Daddy, we're going to church today. I don't correct him. We are the church, son. No, I just, I embrace it and say, you come on. Yes, we're going to church today. So there's nothing necessarily wrong with that phrase. But we understand is that churches meet in buildings like this. We love our building, beautiful building. We met for many years at a school. Many churches meet at a school. God delivered us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we've been meeting in this building and, and enjoying every bit of it. But there are churches that meet in schools or civic centers or YCAs or YMCAs or different places, and they gather, and it's just a group of people that gather. But in every region, there are churches, plural. So we live in Palm Beach County, and in Palm Beach County, there are churches everywhere. There are churches here, there. You go down Okeechobee, and there's 25 churches, I think, just within a mile of Okeechobee, church after church after church, you know. So there are different churches in the region, and this is what was happening in Galatia. Paul writes, and he says, this letter is to be read in the churches. We don't know if there was three or five or if there was 10 or 12. We don't know how many churches there were, but they would take the letter in this region, which is now known as Turkey, and they would take the letter, they'd read it in one church, and then someone would take it to another church, and they'd read the same letter. So this is for all the churches that are in Galatia. This is God's word to us. And so, so groups would gather. Most likely they gathered in homes because of the persecution. I remember I was uh, my first trip ever to Vietnam, and this was many years ago in the 90s, and, and the persecution was very heavy, and I was scheduled to preach at a church in Ho Chi Minh City, and the pastor that I was with, my spiritual, one of my spiritual fathers, Pastor Chester Clark, said, I'm going to send you to another church today, you're going to be by yourself, and I'm going to go to a different church, so uh, a taxi picked me up. Two Vietnamese brothers uh, said, hey, we're going to take you to the church. And we go down this road and then this road and then down another alley. We go down to this little back alley. And they said, now, we want you to be very safe. So wait here. Don't move. We'll come get you. How many of you know I waited there and I didn't move? Like not move it. And so about five minutes went by. They opened the door to the taxi. They said, come on, let's go right now. I went right now. I was gone. I was out the door faster than them. And so we go down this little hallway to another hallway to another house, back through another back door until we get to a house. All of a sudden, I hear singing 
and I walk into this house and there's this little side room in the house where there's about 50 Vietnamese believers just singing and worshiping God. That was the church. That's the church. And that's what was happening in Paul's day. They would just meet, most likely in homes. We meet in buildings, but it's the same principle. We are a group of people meeting. We're called the church. This is our church. We've given ourselves a name. We call ourselves Grace Chapel. And it's just a church. And here's how God grows his church. The first way is relationally. God grows his church relationally, which basically means two things. If I study the word of God, say, God, how do you grow your church relationally? The first way is we relate to each other as a body. We are a body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says we are members of a body. The Apostle Paul gives, a, gives a, uh, an example saying, hey, there's a foot or there's an eye or, or different parts of the body. It may be a different part, but we're all connected. We are moving. We are a living, breathing organism. We are a body that moves and extends and reaches. And Paul said we are members, each one of us, of a body. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, here's what it says. It says that, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Think about that. God has set. God has set. So if you think about that phrase, that is something that is in the past tense that is done for you. God has set. Not is sitting, huh? He's not setting it up in the future. God has set. Because the Bible says that God has ordered past tense. God has ordered our steps. So the truth is, is we don't determine our destiny. We just discover it. Can I get an amen from somebody? We just discover the destiny, the future that God has already laid out. So God has set. Which means this. It's kind of like, let me give you this example. You walked in today, you didn't have to bring a chair with you. There was a chair already set. You just, it was already set up. You got to sit where a chair was already set. So you didn't have to bring one with you. You walked in and there were chairs just laid out. So your only responsibility coming in is to sit where somebody else has already sat. That's it. We just come in and we sit down where somebody else has already sat. And so God has a set place for you. That doesn't mean that you don't contribute. You have a a contribution to make. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that every joint of the body supplies So you have a contribution to make. But you have a place where God wants you to sit because he has already set you up. You're being set up. Your future's set. Your future is ordered. God placed an order on your future. So we're just finding our place in the body. We can't fit everybody in Palm Beach County at Grace Chapel. 
Wouldn't it be nice if we could? But we can't. We can fit some. So we just have to believe God, that God is bringing in people who he has ordained and he has set them here. He just sets people in the body as he pleases. It is a body. And so we just move together. We just, we just work together. We grow together. This is what God wants. And the second way we relate, first way is as a body. The second way we relate to each other is as a family. First, we're a body. We're moving. We're reaching. We're extending. But then we're also a family. God sets us up as a family. Now, for some, this may be a positive experience <laughs> and a positive thought. For others, this might be, be negative or, 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 or cause pain. I, I was, I was, my sister and I were talking this week, and, and we were talking about, you know, we didn't really have grandparents growing up. We had them. They existed. They were living, but they were never a part of our life. And we were talking about, I can't wait to be a grandparent. I mean, I can, but part of me just, I, I see these other grandparents who just talk about how awesome it is. You know, the bumper sticker that says, if I knew grandchildren were this awesome, I'd have had them first. How many of you, you know, that, that's like? And so I'm like, I, I can't wait to experience this. This is going to be fun. I'm going to be the greatest granddad that ever lived. That's my, that's my goal, and I, I just can't wait. But we didn't, we didn't have this experience. And I remember asking my mom just like two or three years ago. I said, when did dad's dad pass away? Because I can't, re- I never, I don't remember, I couldn't tell you what he looked like. And so I thought I was like an infant or a toddler, and she said, well, you were about 10. 10? Where was he for the first 10 years of my life? I'm like, now I need counseling. I need, I need like therapy now. I, I thought I was good. Now I'm hurt. I'm scarred. I like, I'm like, what in the world? I, I couldn't, I mean, you know, they didn't go to any of our events. They lived an hour away, but they didn't go to anything that we did, and they weren't a part of our lives. And I, and, and so for some, when I say family this morning, some of you go, that's not a positive thing. Well, God wants to turn that image. He wants to turn those thoughts. He wants you to understand that God is calling you to be a part of a family. It is a positive experience he wants you to have. Psalm 68 says this, God sets the solitary in families. My wife and I have walked through an adoption experience, and for us, that verse has just come alive. We, we know what it's like to just embrace someone who's not a part of your DNA or, or, or there's no lineage there. It was a choice that we made to take a solitary person and embrace them and welcome them in and said, you, you're our family and experience what, the, what that means. And my wife and I, we're overwhelmed by it. it. It just means so much to us. God did that for you. He didn't just place you into the, the body of Christ as a whole. Yes, he did that. But he is also setting you into a family. And we don't spend 24-7 together, aren't you? Glad maybe for some of that. But we still relate to each other as a family. Think about the Apostle Paul. 
The Apostle Paul persecuted Christians. He was, he was the number one killer, put them in jail. He, he did everything he can to wipe out Christians. And in Acts chapter 9, he's on his way to Damascus. And he has letters with him that give him the authority to, to put Christians in jail. But a, a bright light. Now, then he was known as Saul. A bright light comes, and him and Jesus have a, a conversation that changes his life forever. The Bible says he's stricken blind for three days. He had to be led around by the hand. Now, listen to this. The first word that is ever recorded that is spoken to him by another Christian. It's in Acts chapter 9. It's a man by the name of Anas, and here's what he says. He says, hey, hey, Saul, God sent me here to lay hands on you to receive your sight. But listen to what he says. What does he call him? The very first word, brother. Brother. Now, I don't know how Paul related to the Pharisees. Remember, he was a Pharisee. He was a part of that group of people. Right? He was in that group. I don't imagine that they related to each other very well. But when he, this persecutor of Christians, huh? This is Osama bin Laden. This is Saddam Hussein. This is the worst of the worst. When he is converted, Ananias embraces him, welcomes him, says, you're my brother now. We're brothers. Brother Saul. Let me tell you, he received it. In Ephesians chapter 6, and listen, you could search the scriptures. They usually find the word brethren, but Ephesians chapter 6, over and over, he says this phrase, our brothers and our sisters. We are brothers and we are sisters. We're brothers. We are related. We have the same father. He is a good, good father. Amen? He is a great dad. He is connected. He is there. He is always present. He's a part of our life. And guess what? If he is our father, then we are brothers and sisters. Man, we had a great week this week at church. We had a great week. Monday night, the guys got together. We had over 70 guys come on Monday night. We didn't decorate took us 10 minutes to set up, throw a table out, throw some chairs. We wiped some of them down, you know, no centerpiece, no tablecloth. We had meat, you understand? We had pork and sausage and wings, and I I know I'm getting y'all hungry, but man, we had a great time. It was awesome. Then Friday night, the ladies got together for Lilas. Yeah, I, I know, yeah. Thank you, men, for clapping for the, for the men's event. But for the, for the ladies' event, for Lilas, there's that bright light that the Apostle Paul happened in Acts chapter 9. But I don't know why they chose to put that on now. But anyway, Lord, who is it? Um, Friday night, I heard was awesome. I heard you ladies had a great time. Now, it took you as long to decorate as it did the whole men's event, but that's all right. My wife came to me. I remember my wife came to me, and she said, I want to do something different for our ladies' event. We do a big one every year. I said, what do you want, what do, you want to do? We got worship, and we got chocolate. What's better than that? 
So we've been doing this for two years now, worship and chocolate, worship and chocolate. She said, I want to do something different. I want to do something called Lilas. I said, what? She said, when I was a young girl, I used to write notes in school. How many of you remember, long before those phones, there was writing notes? How many of you got one taken by the teacher? And they read it out loud to the class. Anybody? I was a teacher. I did that one time. I grabbed the note, got ready to read it. I thought, dear Lord, I can't read this thing. Foul word after foul word. I remember talking to the young girl after class. I said, you need to clean up your language, young This is terrible. But when they used to write notes, she said, I used to write notes. I would put at the end, L-Y-L-A-S, love you like a sis. She said, I think they'll get it. I said, I don't know, we'll make it happen. So we started to say this is going to be an event called Lilas, where we talk about family, being a sisterhood, a, a brotherhood, a sisterhood. We relate to each other as a family. That's what God has called us to do. We are the church meeting in a, in a region, in an area, just one area. God brought me here for a reason, to be a part of a family. It's not an accident. My, my, my family, we started attending uh, Trinity, what was called Trinity Assembly of God in 1979. I remember I was just a little boy, and, and I remember we went on a Wednesday night. It was our first time ever. I got the privilege of preaching at that church this past Wednesday night. And I told him, hey, I, I, I went on a Wednesday night, and somebody came up to me and said, you know, we got this program for, for young young." boys it's called royal rangers would you like to to go and you know i was a pleaser i couldn't say no so i said yeah i'll go so i walked back here by myself they started talking about ropes and and tying knots and camping and sharpening knives and all this stuff and i remember i had so much fun that night that i went back and I said to my mom, this is our new church. She didn't have any say-so in the matter. I said, this is our new church. We're coming here from, from here on out. And that was in 1979. And my parents went to that church from 1979 until 2005. And the only reason they left is because we started this church. They said, we're coming over to here, to, to this church. So they stayed in that church all those years, all those years. But do you know why they found that church? It wasn't because, uh, you know, that, that we just lived close. We had just moved a mile down the street. Just a mile down the street. We had moved from Crest Haven to La Chalet Boulevard uh, in Boynton, and Trinity was just the closest church. So my mom said, let's check it out. We'll just give it a try. We had, we had attended Good Shepherd for a little while, Good Shepherd United Methodist. But it wasn't, it wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't just, well, we live the closest. God set us there because he wanted us to be a part of that family. He said, I've got a, a, a church family that I want you to be a part of, and he brought us to Trinity Assembly of God. Why did he do it? Because he knew that years later, we'd start another church called Trinity West, now Grace Chapel. He knew that one day you'd walk in these doors. He had you in mind. He set you up. He had brothers and sisters lined up for you. He wants you to be a part of this family. Why? Because God had you in mind. That's why you're here today. Somebody say amen. You're here because God sent you here. 
You say, no, no, pastor, I'm here because I live down the street. No, God orchestrated your steps. Every choice that was made by your parents, grandparents, by everybody, every generation before you brought you to this moment so that you can be a part of a family. We're just a family. Sometimes families get along. Sometimes they don't. They have good days and they have not so good days. Sometimes they all agree. Sometimes they don't agree at all. But God said we're still family. We're brothers and we're sisters. I've got a show I've seen a few times. I haven't seen it all the time. And, and so if there are some episodes that are not, not real holy, just forgive me about it. All right. So, but I have seen this show a few times. It's called Blue Bloods. How many of you have heard of Blue Bloods or you know Blue Bloods? The reason I like it is because I'm a Tom Selleck fan. I grew up on Magnum P.I. Come on, anybody? Down, 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 down. Anyway, that's the theme song. So, so I, I just grew up on Magnum P.I., which is not healthy for a 10-year-old. But anyway, I, I, I love Tom Selleck, love Magnum P.I., and so I like this show called Blue Bloods. But did you know that every episode, every episode has one scene where they all sit around the dining room table and they have dinner together? Every, every show, there is a family dinner every Sunday. And I thought to myself watching it, who does this anymore? I mean, who has Sunday dinner every day, every Sunday, I should say, every week at the table? Who does that anymore? And they do it on the show. And I was reading about it. And did you know that that particular scene, which may only last five or ten minutes, in this, in this show, that particular scene could take up to eight hours to film. And, and they laugh, the cast is talking about it, they have a great time. There's real food and then there's fake food, okay? And they have to eat little bites because they have to film for so long, they're constantly eating. All day they're sitting at this table. But I thought, man, what a healthy, healthy experience to put on TV is that people gathering as a family eating dinner on a Sunday. I mean, who does that? Let me tell you who does that. Grace Chapel does that. Did you hear me? Grace Chapel gets together every Sunday. You guys missed the early bird special, which was 9 o'clock. That was the 9 o'clock, so you missed that one. You came to the 11 o'clock dinner. This is our family dinner. And when we get together on Sundays, we just get together. And guess what? We laugh, we cry, huh? We worship together, we lift our hands together, we lift our voices together, huh? We learn, we contribute, we teach, we do all sorts of things. This is our time together. It's not the only time we communicate. Just like on a Sunday in a regular family, hey, they talk throughout the week, they communicate throughout the week, but it is a set time. It's a set time. This is family time when we get together. Let me tell you, I never want to miss it. I always look forward to it. I can, I can do a lot of things at the house. I can grab my Bible and, and I can grab my iPad and I can study and I can have that and that's important and that's necessary and it's irreplaceable. But I can't always gather with 50 or 100 or 200 people in a room and worship together. But I do every Sunday. I 
gather with my brothers and my sisters, and, and we are a family. If somebody's hurting, 